Episode 36 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about Long Shot the Dice Game. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, myself, Adam, and Aaron talk about Long Shot the Dice Game at 1, 2, 3, and 4 player counts. A couple days after we recorded this episode, it was given a recommendation by Shut Up and Sit Down, so definitely check out that video if you want to see a bit of the game before listening to this episode. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to the three of us talking about Long Shot the Dice Game. Long Shot the Dice Game. It's a pretty solid game. It's a pretty solid game. We have played it between us at one, two, three, and four players. I guess I've played it every player count. You've played it three of them, and Adam joined us for the three player. Yeah, I've not played it solo. And just for a bit of, I'm going to read the flavor text, you know, where they tell you the short setting kind of of the theme. Yeah. So this Long Shot the Dice Game, it's re-implementing a game called Long Shot, which was from 2009. And there's other older long shots that seem to be completely unrelated. It's a horse racing game. And the text says, plan and push your luck as the action unfolds in this tense race of eight horses. You'll buy horses, place bets, influence race movement, and utilize special abilities. The dice determine which horses move and the actions available each turn. So be ready to adapt your plans in this game. Once three horses cross the finish line, earnings are totaled and the player that makes the most money will be declared the winner. Will you play it safe? Or risk it big on a long shot. Bet, buy, collect, win. Those are the other words on the back of the box. I risked it big on long shots. You did risk it big on long shots pretty often. Uh, And in the game, unsurprisingly, there's a horse racing track that is an oval. There's eight horses that are racing. And when you play at the beginning of when you're doing your game setup, it comes with three different sets of horses that you can use in your game. Can you mix and match them? You sure can. So there's going to be on each one of those horses, it'll have some kind of special ability. So if you buy the horse in the course of the game, you get to use that special ability. Now we played with the Kickstarter edition. This will be in retail. looks like you can pre-order it from publisher Perplexit right now with a real high shipping, Um, but it'll probably be trickling into retail as well, as far as we can tell. The Kickstarter version came with two additional sets of horses. So that's five times eight total horses. Uh, It's a packed stable. Yes, very busy stable. And it also came with Track Events Mini Expansion. And that's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's just a set of cards where you pull out two of them and it gives some other additional rule kind of modification. Sometimes it's like, you get money every time your special horse is rolled, or maybe you can choose to take money um, instead of one of the other actions. I liked the mud pit that we played in our four-player version. We did, but we're going to start at one player. And I will say that I first played this game two-handed just to understand what was going on, and then tried the solo mode for solo because, you know, you could just... uh, There's a lot of manipulation of the horses, so when you're interacting with other players... That's a lot of the races. Am I going to push their horse back? Am I going to push my horse forward? So for the solo version of the game, you are playing against, actually you're playing against Roland Wright, which Perplexed has another game where the it's a Roland Wright game with the person named Mr. Wright, first name Roland. 
So he's like the imaginary character you're playing against. And he has a special betting card. Usually you all have pretty much the same betting card when you play. Playing against him, he's got like basically a grid. So depending on the die that are rolled, there's a eight-sided horse die and then a six-sided die that has a values of how far the horse is going to move forward. When those two are rolled, you reference a grid to see what he does. So it's just an uh, Atoma sort of thing where it's completely random what he does because it's going to be the same dice roll that you'll also get to use. I don't know if there's some kind of balancing because the number one and number two horses um, are more likely to finish first. The seven and eight are least likely and then the numbers in between uh, in order, the same story. So I don't, I don't really know. I haven't looked at the solo enough to say are the things that are happening on the eight horses different fundamentally for the game than the things that are happening on the one horses because of like how that would work out and the value. So when you buy a horse that's more likely to finish, it's more expensive. When you buy a horse that's less likely, it's cheaper. But those values are set throughout the whole game. Right. And on the bottom of each one of these horse cards you have the numbers for every horse in the race. And some of those are marked off by default. Others you can mark off in the course of the game. So even though eight is unlikely to finish, you can take it upon yourself to, as you take actions throughout the game, mark the number eight horse on every other horse number card. And that means anytime those other numbers are rolled and they advance, your number eight horse will go forward a little bit too. And that doesn't change the to buy value when you've done that. Sometimes that happens to your victory. Other times, no. You're really doing a voice today, huh? Yeah, I kind of like started that. Is that that your horse racing drama voice? No, what happened is I started that sentence and then I like knew I was in the voice and I'm like, well, I I can't bail on it now. So I just want to remind you, you can always bail on the voice. And I'm going to bail on talking about the solo mode. When I played, I don't know that I really did it correctly. The way that the events work for those different die combinations if it's not possible for some reason for the solo to take that they kind of take a default action and i ended up with a lot more than the solo competitor now that could be just part of the dice rolling luck but i'm also wondering like maybe i didn't quite execute things the right way and i didn't give them everything they should have had i think roland just had a bad night of sleep before the track yeah he could just be like you know bad with his I mean you're already gambling at the track and trying to get take home the most money and I will say you show up at the track with $12 and you are like you're definitely oh it's it's, it's not a representation of horse racing everybody has at least $50 at the end of the game yeah and it's quite possible that you're gonna have over $100 so no it's definitely not a tutorial for how to win at gambling it's just a very colorful and fun roll and write game so moving on to two players Aaron Please tell us about your first experience playing Long Shot the Dice Game. Well, I mean, the, the first time we played, I I saw that you could mark, like, if you if an 8 gets rolled, in, or, or if any number gets rolled, you can mark other horses to kind of increase their odds of finishing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to buy the cheapest horse, and I'm going to try to make it more likely for it to win. And that worked out pretty solid, and 8's rolled on also a lot. Yeah, and that is, you you can manipulate a lot of things, but when it comes down to it, it is still a dice roll. So for everything you've put into it, you have um, concession actions. There's about five different types of actions you can take. And one of them on your big betting card has just a grid of numbers. When that horse gets rolled, you can mark off a number. And when you finish a row or a column in that grid, you get access to these bonus actions. And 
among the things available are being able to move forward horses or move back horses. So when Aaron started this strategy with horse number eight, I was using my bonus actions to try to move eight back and just keep moving it back. It already wasn't supposed to roll as much, but then he's been adding it to more horses. And I think if I really invest in pushing it back, it won't be able to gather enough momentum and steam again to finish the race. Because once three horses finish, it's over. the race is over. Those are the only ones that um, if you own the horse, you get a bonus for them finishing. Depending on the bets, they all pay out at different amounts based on the likelihood of the horse to finish um, as set by the start of the race. So it's default on all the time when you play. And um, if a horse is especially bad or doesn't doesn't get near the finish line, you get your money back for it. Yeah, I think what uh, was interesting in the first game and I think made an impact is like, I was way behind you in the concessions because I was just trying to like invest everything in the eight. Yeah. Which puts a target on the eight horses back and there's some downside there. But then also what happened is you used all your concession actions before I used even a couple of mine. And then I was able to use my concession actions late in the game. And I thought I was just going to not get to the concession actions, but you're, you're basically going to get to all your concession actions. You probably have enough time because it's very unlikely that someone won't want to pull a horse backwards which of course is likely to elongate the race, which means you're going to end up with more turns because as soon as that third horse finishes, like the game is over. So if no one's doing, if everyone's only speeding up these horses, then you might not get to, that's that's an interesting way to play, but then you have control of pulling the horse back if you want the game to be longer. So you Mm -hmm. can get, so I think what happened in the first game is you were winning because you controlled my eight horse and then I had all my actions and was able to just overcome and basically undo everything yeah. you had did and then I got a little lucky because eights rolled a lot. But yeah, it's still it's still about the rolls. Moving on to the three player game. So from the one player game to two player, I would say it's I don't know that the solo in this is really again, I'm gonna try it again. I don't know that it's that great. And then just two player you're probably not gonna buy it's very possible that you're not gonna buy a horse the horse that finishes might not be one that you buy. Maybe. Because you only right. have so much money. The number one horse costs 10 by default. There is a concession action where you can get a horse for free, but that's something you'd only do once. So depending on just how things, the numbers roll and things shake out, you both might get kind of committed to the horses you've bought and then rolls happen where like you could roll number four horse with a three two times and now it's six ahead and that is like to try to compensate for that is pretty difficult. So still strong rolls, just get it to the front. So in two-player, I think it's still good at two-player, but I don't think it's best at two-player. Maybe the track events can kind of help that if you get that expansion because you can change the game a little bit, but we didn't play with any track events. And maybe if you are randomizing your horses where the powers, there might be horse powers in there. We're talking about 40 total right. that we know about. There may be different ones in there that would be a little better at two-player. But yeah. I definitely think it improved over two-player when we played with Adam. Oh, I both think it's a fun two-player game and a better three- and four-player game, right? Yeah, and we played with Adam on Tabletop Simulator. It was an official mod from Perplexit. And now we will turn it over to Adam, who has been silently observing this podcast so far for what his thoughts were when we played three-player. Had a blast. So I think... You know, this game, I, I like this style of game. This is the child of 
uh, Camel Cup and Downforce, really, right? Like, in the way that you're betting on a race and you can buy the driver, so to speak. Like, it feels like the perfect combination of those two games. Um, and I like both of those games. So, of course, I'm going to like, you know, this one. Um, I made a series of mistakes when we played. <laughs> Did not take away from all of the fun I had with it, though. I will say, it's one of those games where... The winning, I think, is a small part where that's not true of a lot of games. It's really fun picking your actions. The way the layout is, it's very on theme with all of the things. The concessions do a nice job of your actions directly relating to the actions of the horse, the future actions of you being able to bet. I like that betting line of you can't bet past that line. Right. I right. think it really changes how you think about what actions you take when on that, um, and also the way other player it affects other players. So I thought that was a really good innovation that I'm guessing maybe showed up later. I'm guessing that's not like a day one. Let's make sure there's a betting line on there. Like I imagine when they made this game, they needed one more kind of balancing point. Yeah, and I think that betting line would have been there for that. Yeah, I, the only thing that makes me think they might have had it from the go is that they have that helmet action and. It, so and, and and maybe they did add both at the same time where you take the helmet action which lets you bet on it after the line um and, and maybe it solves two problems one betting after the line is would would be would make the game it would make the game worse though and then that adds concession actions and it adds kind of length to the game so you don't at the, you get to the end of the game and you don't feel like you don't have anything to do I like also that at the end of the game you could undo a wild if you don't have anything to do so there's never really any truly wasted turns yeah, it still doesn't feel great, but you do have three wilds you can use. Typically, when the dice are rolled, you're going to move the horses, but then everyone gets to take an action primarily based on the number of the horse die, the eight-sided die. So you'll get to mark off something in your concessions. You'll get to mark the jersey helmet, which will let you... Jersey helmet. I said that very funny. You'll get to mark the helmet, which lets you bet off to the line. You can mark the jersey that lets you... Uh, mark off a number on that horse card so the next time it's rolled some other horse will move along with it and you can place bets and you can buy a horse i think adam had the experience in his game that was similar to my experience which we'll talk a little bit later about in the four-player game where he would have won by a lot had the last couple of rolls gone different but as it turns out like it just didn't like, he, he had a strategy in place that was, like, a, a winning strategy. It just needed things to break a little bit different. Yeah, I would also, I mean, which is all dice games, right? Like, I think right. everyone's usually got a strategy where they would win if the dice are in their favor. So, um, but I also think that I did make the error of shoving my horse so far out front very quickly on mm. that. So then it is, uh, as you talked about earlier, that target on there playing differently again, I think, conserving your plus three plus two concessions uh is really important to yeah. you could could you is it true you cannot win by that though that's you, correct you can't win by yeah you okay. can't cross the finish line you can cross the red line you can't cross the finish line yeah, yeah so even if you have the right bonuses to just push your horse over the finish line it will have to stop right at it has to actually be rolled which is interesting because uh, depending on the jerseys that you've marked and the role that comes that comes out, you would have a horse sitting there at the finish line, just looking around, you know, yeah, where right. he's like so close to finishing and a couple strong rolls of the right number when he's not actually getting past that line could lose him the race. And that's where 
you know, you're saying you could just bet really hard on one horse, put it all on one horse, which is, you know, what the little flavor text said, like you could risk it all big on a long shot. But because it is just a dice game over lots of plays, it is probably going to be better to just spread it all out pretty evenly because yes, if this one big thing hits, that would be great, but it's going to be hard to actually make that happen. Yes. So playing on TTS for this one wasn't too bad though. Just like tabletop simulator, we hadn't been on it in a while. There were lots of computer updates and tech mm -hmm. issues. And ultimately we ended up, Adam watched on webcam of, or we'll watch a screen share. And then we ran the game. And I will say that I'm pretty sure you kind of do want to see other people's cards. You kind of want to know what they've bet on mm -hmm. or not. So I'd say that is a little bit of a complication, but otherwise I think you could play this. You could have one copy of the game and play it remotely. If you just take a picture of the uh, betting card, so that people can pull that up on their computer or print it out. And I think they would maybe have to make their webcam show that betting card or something like that instead of maybe their face. That'd be the only thing that you can't see the betting card. Or you'd have to like set up a little spreadsheet to show everyone's betting cards maybe in one spot. Um, but otherwise, the uh, if one person has a camera on the horse race itself and the available horses... It is something you could still play, I think, remotely, even with a physical game. It'd be a little harder than doing TTS. I feel like from, you know, I think Adam might have a different perspective because it didn't load on his computer, which was probably frustrating, but you did a nice job working for him. If it loads on your computer, I thought it was a pretty easy yeah. implementation to use. Yeah, it was nice. And they did just enough programming um, to make it a little more bearable because this is a roll and write game. So there were buttons. Uh, if you've ever used Tabletop Simulator before, there were buttons programmed in. So you could just click on a horse card on the number that you wanted to mark and it would draw an X for you. Same thing was true with your player card. When you were crossing off things in your concession, it would do the X for you. Jersey action, helmet action. You did have to type in your bet and then it had like a little, the little digital counters they have, like plus or minus digital counters for your overall money. Okay. So yeah, it was it was pretty well done and it wasn't so programmed that it was like moving the horses for you. We still had right. to move our own horses and things like that. We had horse conflicts where I tried to move the horse and you tried to move the horse. Yes. We also this is a thing that you is easy to kind of get wrong because um you are roll someone has someone is going first every turn, but everyone's taking an action and you're doing that in order. It can get a little confusing to keep track of who was the first player, especially digitally like that. And mm -hmm. um then whose turn is it to go? Because you want to go in order in case the person before you wants to buy a horse, you want to buy a horse, they get to go first in turn order. So there were a couple times where we would say, oh, Aaron, it's your turn. I'll re-roll the dice. And he'd re-roll the dice. And we're like, oh, no, no, you haven't taken your turn for these dice yet. It wasn't even my turn to roll the dice next. So yes, lots of, lots of issues there. So it's a little hard to keep that straight. But I will say with that experience, when we played four player, I think not the next day, but shortly thereafter with a couple friends that we were a little more conscientious about keeping that straight. They were also, they're kind of getting into board gaming, but certainly not as into it as any of us here on this podcast are. So we were also interested to see 
what it would be like for someone not coming to this as, oh, well, this is my 15th, 20th, 30th right. roll and write. This is maybe among their first roll and writes. I think the look of it is very approachable. It is a, just a touch more. They, they've done it. They've organized it very well and designed it very well, like just the graphic design of the cards. But it is just like a roll and write, a bit of a spreadsheet that you're explaining to someone like, well, now it's time to fill out expense reports. And this is how we're going to do it. We have all these columns and then we're going to do multiplication at the end. So get ready for the math and we'll circle these out. So one of the kind of things that we did to make it a little easier, since they are whiteboard cards, based on where the horse is finished, I said, just literally circle the who was first, who was second, who was third, circle it in those multiplication columns. Any of the ones that didn't finish past the uh, red betting line, circle the $1 because you get refunded on those bets. And I said, any horses that were in that finish zone but didn't finish, just put a whole line through them. So if it is, you know, on your typical Euro game, it's not like, let's start writing all over everything so you can understand it better. So I think that was an advantage to new people, even though this looks like it's still a light roll and write and it's still a short rule book. But to, if you really want to play it well, if you don't want to just throw money wherever, it is kind of like, oh, well, maybe you want to do this because this will let you do that. And you can chain this action. And if you do that now, you're going to be first on the next turn and you'll have the opportunity to do this. So they're just the playing it. I think you could do light and with ch children even because it's, you know, it's rolling, it's marking. But if you are playing with people, even if they're new, who want to kind of take on that next level, the the teach does get a little more confusing and the game did take a long time it says 25 minutes on the box oh we were there for a while we it took a now, long time now we were time. jockeying we were jockeying fiercely jockeying there was some horse retraction yes there was some minus threeage there were some alliances made and i think that was also very different from a two play two player games like it's you or me i so tried to make an alliance there's it, it you backfired can, you can kind of do alliances in two player in as much as I'm going to start betting on your horse and you can't stop me. And that's about as close as you can get to an alliance. That's in, what I did. In three player, you can have like a bit of a triad going on. And, you know, it's less likely that you're going to have a straight up alliance. In four player, and I'm sure this is true. This goes up to eight. I'm sure it's true when you keep going up too. There's only so many horses. Like a lot of them got bought, and that means that a lot of people bought a horse that didn't finish. And now the powers on the horses become a little more important. Maybe you're just buying a horse to get the power, to get the little extra bit you need so that the horse you bet on can place a little bit higher. And it's more advantageous to kind of break into factions starting at four, where half the table was sort of on one plan, and then the other half was kind of on the other when we played. And, uh, Aaron, what we were not on the same half, go figure. No. And that dividing line, like he really wanted seven to win and one other person did as well. When it came to my turn and I had a opportunity to manipulate the track, I was like, they are going to profit so much from seven. Like, I, yeah, maybe one of them will get first or second, whatever. It's I'm not going to be either of those spots. So you sort of in creating... As some people start to jump on board, you kind of almost force everyone else. It is like, get on or get off this train. Because I could have started betting on 7-2 and then as a way to nullify, but I didn't think I could catch up. So my best way to nullify was to try to pull 7 back and just hope that the yeah. dice I changed I had $18 it. on 7 at the end of the race. Yeah. Oof. 
So and what's the multiplier on that? Uh, so yeah, seven if it finishes if it finishes third, which was what it. So it's 126 is what I would have scored if wow. seven. And six, wow. It finished. Yeah. It finished one away from the line. So yeah, it was down to the wire, um, and that's where it came out that just uh, a horse that had been behind that was just sitting on the start line forever. Yeah you know, kind of quietly comes up. And sometimes people have to move up two horses with their bonus action and they'll move up the horse in last place because they don't want to move up anything else to rival what they want to win. And then, you know, that horse gets a yeah. couple good rolls. So for comparison, the odds for winning, if it's the one or two horse, so the fastest horses, the ones that are marked on the most cards by default, it pays out five times for first place, four times for second place, and three times for third place. And the seven and eight horses, which have the worst odds, they pay out nine, eight, and seven for first, second, and third. So your, you know, $5 bet on horse one, if it wins, that's $25. That's nice. But your $5 bet on nine. It's 45. Or on seven or eight, which it gets multiplied by nine, is 45. Yeah, it was when like seven and five were tied two spaces away. Seven was on every card. And five was on one, only one other card, and five rolled for a two to cross the line. It was, it was an exciting day of it was racing. An exciting, and that is the only time. Well, no, when you and I played, we used the expansions, the little yeah. track events mini expansions. Oh, we didn't talk about the mud expansion. Yeah, we're about to. That's why I'm picking up these expansions. So when you and I played, we had like a lucky number one where we um, just chose a number, one to eight. And you do it all simultaneously. You write it on top of your sheet. And every time it's rolled, you get a dollar. We kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Um, no as we got into the heat of the racing. So that's nice because you can kind of end up with just no money and stall out a little bit with just the uh, base track. And I'm trying to remember what was the other one that we played with. Oh, it was the jockey convention. So the first one we played with was lucky number. That's Fair enough. Uh, Jockey Convention is when you complete a set of a helmet and jersey. Oh, Usually in the scoring yeah. of the game, when you do that set, you get $5 at the end of the game. But you could choose to take $5 immediately, which is very exciting. Or you could leave it alone and get $7 at the end of the game. So it was just a little bit of a difference. But it was one that was a little... you. It was easier to remember to execute it because it was very beneficial in the moment. Getting the $1, we would just start moving the horses, start thinking about what we were going to do with our turn and kind of forget. Yeah. And then the the one I, I keep wanting to... I just Yeah, no, go ahead. There go was ahead. a mud pit. There was a mud pit. I love the yeah. mud pit. This so is you basically, Track is the name of it. Yeah. Any it, The person who goes first can draw on the track anywhere except for the first three spaces a mud track. And that mud track, basically, anytime a horse would move through that space, even if they would continue past it, they stop. Yeah. So you take one segment. Of course, the whole track is divided in segments. That's how we're knowing how far to move them. You pick one segment and basically kind of cross it off with mud. I put it right before the red line. Right. So horses that were going to be coming up to that red betting line and might just go from, you know, behind three, two back and cruising over that red betting line. Aaron put the mud track there. So it was a forced stop before the betting stopped on that horse. So it stalled its momentum but also gave you this one more opportunity to, to, bet, on to bet on it, which does an interesting thing. There's nothing stopping you from doing that muddy track like at the finish line as right. well, where you could have like forced this kind of collection of horses at the oh, finish. Oh, it would have been so fun. Yeah. So, I don't know why I didn't do that. 
Yeah, I you had. The I option. still had fun. We we, we were And I think if it's pushed towards the end, you are building up a little more drama than if it's in the middle. But you have to think horses move forward and backwards as well. And I don't know if you were moving backwards through the mud pit. Were you were you meant to stop? It never happened. It didn't come up. I would imagine you would stop. Yeah, it says uh, the horses that would move through it must yeah. end. Yeah, so it doesn't suggest one direction Ooh, or another for that to happen. Intrigue. Yeah, I didn't even consider that. And then what was the other one that we? use it was oh it was that um bank grand opening so the uh die that determines how far the horses move is a green six-sided die and with the bank grand opening alternate action you can just choose to take money equal to the value on that die which so, i think i did zero times yeah the die only has one two or three on it it mostly has two on it, I believe. I think it has two threes. Three twos. And one one. And one one. And the one kind of felt like it came up a lot when we played, though. So chances are you don't want the one dollar. But the one dollar, it might be the one dollar you need. And it, depending on what the number was rolled, like that might be better than if you still have your wilds, you don't have anything that you can just not cross off. Maybe you want to save your wilds for something else. Like... I could see a scenario where that $1 is the $1 you need to be able to make a bet on this horse or whatever on the next turn. Yeah. Yeah. I have an interesting kind of strategy question that I'd like to run by Adam. Oh, please. Go so, right ahead. Uh, and I think this kind of pertains to even more player counts, uh, but maybe just the game more specifically. So when I did my, my – I, I did a big mega five turn with, with the chain reaction thing horse. And one of the things I wanted to decide was should I take all three $7 – so that I can bet on all the horses I want to bet on at Liberty? Or should I take the $3 free bets, which are four less dollars each, but it basically gets a bet in and you don't have to wait for the horse to be rolled? And I think this was a tough decision for me, and I ended up taking the free bets um, over the $7 just because I wasn't sure that, that 7 would roll enough for me to get all the money that I just collected on it. So in this situation, you're only getting the money to bet on horses. That, that's what I was intending to do. I wasn't planning to keep the money. I was planning to just dump all the money on the 7 horse. Then that's entirely the correct move, in my opinion, because I think it's – I don't know if we mentioned earlier that extra money does nothing at the you end You get of the game, points. Correct? Well, you are, yeah, you're going for the most it money when, towards you, your total money, when you leave the track. But oh, because well, then, of the way the multipliers. That statement. <laughs> I'm thinking of any other game where that would be true and not this one then. Um, so if that's, so $21 is 21 points, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. But, but $3 on the right horse is $21. And $3 on the wrong horse is $0. Or $3 so, if it doesn't cross the line. Correct. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that's really board dependent then. Yeah. And if I think it goes into what your intention is. Obviously, if you want to buy horses or something early on, taking the $7 is better, probably because horses cost between, what, 4 and right. $11? 4 and 10, like 4 and 10, yeah. That may be a, a stronger advantage there. Um, I think you made the right move for what you wanted, though, for sure. Like, yeah. why take the extra step then? Well, I think the one the one issue with it is, like, I think it revealed my plan too early. So the other player, we had another player in the game who was was like pretty all in on the seven and had marked I think five of the eight cards with a seven on it already. And so I was like, okay, well he's done all the heavy lifting for me, so I'm gonna basically jump on his bandwagon and just start betting all in seven. But as soon as I did that, he he very much quickly adjusted and realized if seven won that he would not be able to pass my score or catch up and he he stopped pushing the seven forward so i feel like if i had slow rolled it i might have done better 
where was this seven horse at when you're doing this? You know, the seven horse was in the middle. It was about halfway finished. But, of course, it was pushed back many times <laughs> after that, after this point of the game. Right. I think I, I – okay, so I do think that if you had held off that con- that big concession turn yeah, until it was within a die or two roll oh, yes. where, people, where, where luck may have just won you that anyways, then dub. I agree. I think that was yeah. – too early in the game. To I, yeah, I think honestly, game. almost just yeah, just let the concession thing wait because you know it's going to trigger, trigger, trigger. You know, it's not really a luck based thing at that point. You're set. You've set up three different columns with four numbers that will let, that will trigger it. Especially if I mean, ideally, right? If you let it cross the betting line, and I don't know what you have left. Let's just right. imagine here for a moment though that if you push up three and dump bets to where it's like again one right. roll away like that seems like a really strong move for that plan yeah 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 yeah. well I, I think there's a lot of different ways to win and i think that the more players in it it just adds a complexity that was super fun i think it was fun when we, when we played with you and it was three players and then adting four i, I mean this would be this game would be a raucous at eight players and be so fun and i wonder what that's like as far as because you're just gonna be less likely maybe to own a horse or is it like you better get a horse real fast and everyone kind of ends up with one? Because when we play with four, uh, we were kind of talking about like this is how many horses finish and then just doing the math of what's going on here. And one person did end up with two horses that finished. And I think in a four-player game, that's like great. And as the play count keeps going up, you're just less and less likely to have the horses that do finish. And I think then you get a lot more calculated about your betting because that's going to go a lot further. But when you're in a lower play count, I think you do kind of want to be more calculating about the horse that you buy because between the two of you or even three of you, it's just more likely that you're going to be able to influence it in a way that you can get a horse up there. There could be a lot of not hate drafting. It's not a drafting game, but there can be a lot of take that happening. I guess I think among a small group where it's like, yeah, nobody's horses are finishing. We're going to burn the whole track down. Like, yeah, it's going to be anything but what somebody has. I think that could also push you into uh, like a very interesting betting space. And we have yet to play a game where someone really just takes it with a lot of good high bets, like just really goes in on bets. I was, yeah, I was close, but I didn't make it. And there's just a lot of risks there because when you go in really hard on a bet, there is that three segments of the track, I think, where you're not going to get any money back for it. And there's a, the giant target on your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If everyone knows. And I think... You, like, you put 18 on one horse, and it's like, okay, well, everyone's using all their negative actions to, to push this horse back. And then you had a thing... Because they can't. They can't. We have to... Like, it's so... 18 is on uh on one of the slower horses. If they win, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money all at once. Yeah. Yeah, even if you're diversifying yeah. your bet, it's hard to get back. Do you think that with an eight player, then, if we're speculating, because none of us have played this, yeah. then, like, on your turn, you should just buy a horse? Is that, like, just a very early game action so that you just at least so have you a have chance? One. Yeah. Well, I wonder how... So, when you go from two or one up to four, the thing that also gets multiplied... Now, it's always evened out, because there's as many pluses and minuses in those concession actions, but it's just another set of pluses and minuses on concession actions and like it's double as many so if everyone is kind of like betting a lot on one horse they can push that horse in one round in one turn people could push a horse up nine if they wanted to so it's almost makes me wonder like is the game a lot faster with more people because 
it's less because how many people can can manipulate these horses on one turn you can push things up so far especially if you kind of split into factions uneven factions like five three kind of end up grouping together five people three of them using their concession action is a horse moving forward nine or back nine or back nine or forward nine and back six yeah <laughs> you know and i think it's yeah just... yeah so it's like how this much will it awesome. <laughs> how much will it end up just equaling out and how much will all that extra momentum just mean that like you have a first place horse that does finish and then the rest of the race is just you know muddy tracks and minuses i almost think i wouldn't buy it. the powers maybe make maybe me like yeah you should get a, you should get a horse as soon as you can and then just let the rolls happen because the powers are pretty productive, I think the the, the eight there's an eight one that when eight gets rolled, everyone loses two dollars, and I think that's a really powerful. Like I would buy that horse every time in an eight player. And game. I believe you bought it in a two player game. Is I that did. Correct? Yeah, you lost and all the two. That horse's name. I gotta say, this is like a very fun call about how well this game has been done. I don't know if this was true on original long shot as well. Don't know if there as many horses, but they all have cute horse like names that also correspond to the power. That they have. And I'll say, Adam, would you like to take a guess at the horse's name that Aaron had where when the eight is rolled, it's a number eight horse, when the eight is rolled, all other players lose two. And while you think about that for a minute, I will say that in a two-player game, when a when any any board game that has a two-player or more play count and you have an all other players effect, now my relationship advice is Take that card right out of your two-player game. Because when it's all other players, nope, it's one player. It's the one person that agreed to spend time with you and do this and have a lovely evening. And it's just them that's getting the negative. I think when it's all other players and you have a lot of people, in an eight-player game, all other players lose two. Very powerful. I can imagine that they are not happy with you. And then you have seven people taking recourse, perhaps. Four people taking recourse. But one so person. Target on the back concerns you're communicating this whole time. I don't know why right. you ever want that in a player. He uh, realized later that he could have done the same strategy with the number seven card, and it didn't have that. It had a different power on it. The number seven card was move a horse that's not in the lead or tied for the lead two spaces. It was very positive. Just just horse racing. What's the eight one called? Oh, Adam guess first. If you have any guesses on fun horse name for all other players lose. Too. I don't I don't know the answer either. It's yeah. not uh, on the screen. Yeah, it's it's is very it, good. Is it Roland lose? I, I, I like that. Lose, yeah. I like that. Do you have a guess, Aaron? I, no, I don't. Have no, it's guess. so good. Magic hate ball. <laughs> it's good. so it's good. good. Uh, yeah, so I will say, Boy. I don't think I spent enough... Uh, I don't think I gave enough attention to how well done the horse names are either. Uh, there's a two lucky, the number two horse, uh, that you get $2 every time the two's rolled. There's scatter shot, which lets you do plus or minus in the concession stand based on the horse number. So like they are really, really good horse names and really named to the ability. So that is a delight. Like we said, there's three sets of horses in the box. So that's 24 horses and you can buy another two sets. I guess I could have bought pay it forward in that game. That would have been. Which one was pay it forward? Pay it forward is if you, uh, you can place a bet on a horse that shares a space with another horse and then the horses that it shares a space with move forward plus one. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't think we've, and you know, we've played this now four-ish, I've played it four-ish times, and we've kind of played different sets for the most part each time, but we still haven't seen all of these horses yet. And I think the horse powers, especially as you get into this a little more, you start paying a bit more attention to them. 
Like, I think they get a little more interesting as you get more familiar with the game. Yeah, I think it's a game that has a ton of complexity and a ton of luck and a ton of fun. Like, I can't imagine playing this game and not having fun. Man, that's a pretty good... A ton of complexity, a ton of luck, and a ton of fun. Yeah, you just... <laughs> that's Aaron's review. Put that on the cover with my name and a, with a dash before it right there. <laughs> the cover? You've, you've really made it big. I mean, dash before my name. Yeah. Hey, I mean, can we make that uh, title of the game smaller so we can get Aaron's review on this cover we as well? We don't game. want it. Right. I People think it's a real long shot there, Adam. Thank you so much for listening to episode 36. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. The next episode will be me and Aaron talking about Mystic Market and Happy City in a Coffee Shop Games episode. Now that I think about it, Longshot is just a tiny bit big for a coffee shop game, but you could probably make it work. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you'll hear me, Adam, and Aaron talking about the board game mechanism of card drafting. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.